I know it doesn't quite feel like we're over it yet, but we, we're, you know, we're here, you know? So, amen, and again, thank you for, for joining us online. I'm happy to be here with you this morning, but I'm just going to begin by praying, if that's okay. Would you bow your heads with me as I just pray? And so, Father God, I thank you so much for today. We thank you for today. We ask that we would hear you through today's message, and we ask that we would see you in a new way. We lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So it is Good Friday, and for those of us who don't quite know what Good Friday is about, um, I'm going to be, begin by reading the, the passage of Scripture that, is, it, that kind of tells about what Good Friday is. So if you please turn in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles or if you've got the, the Bible app, uh, turn with me to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 27, and verses 35 to 54 is what I'm going to read. So Matthew chapter 27, verses 35 to 54 say, And after they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Until about three o'clock, Jesus, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema shabachthani, which means, God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the, in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were, trembled, were terrified at the earthquake and at all that had happened. And they said, this man was truly the son of God. So when I was young uh, and uh, I went to Sunday school in my old church. So we went to a Methodist church on, on Rookery Road in Handsworth. It's not, not there anymore, but 
Good Friday didn't honestly mean that much to me. You know, when you're in Sunday school, you're, you're learning, you're kind of coloring in, but again, you're kind of not learning. Sorry, Ellie. Um, but you know, you're just kind of doing Sunday school. And um, I didn't know Jesus like I do now. And, and my earliest memory of a, of a Good Friday is, you know, waking up early, you know, because it's school holidays, you know, it's Easter holidays, so you wake up early. Early is about eight, nine o'clock. Um, and then, you know, we'd, we'd head to church and we'd go up to Sunday school, me and my twin, and, you know, we'd do the coloring in thing, we'd learn about Jesus on the cross, and then we'd all go home to eat the food that my mom had prepared the night before. Um, and in Caribbean traditions, if you don't know, uh, we, we all eat the food that was prepared the night before. Anybody who's Caribbean in the house, have they, have they done their cooking already? And yeah, there's a lot of people waving, which is good. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I remember asking mom um, once, okay, mom, why, why, is it, why don't we cook on Good Friday? Why don't, why don't we cook? Why, why, don't, why don't you cook on Good Friday? Um, and and it, it was weird because in secondary school, uh, you know, it was very, very normal for me and my friends to have an argument and be very competitive about what our moms were cooking, you know, for, for, for Good Friday. It was like, you know, oh, what's your mom cooking? So my mom's cooking jerk chicken and, and dumpling and, and you, know, you know, boiled cabbage and that. So what's your mom cooking? Yeah, my mom's cooking and fried chicken and rice and peas and yeah. And, you know, you get very competitive about that. Um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's mom, mom's cooking wars. And I actually can't remember what my mom answered me and, and said to me as to why we, we don't cook on, on, on Good Friday. But I learned over the years that it's because we as Caribbean people observe Good Friday as a, as a day of rest, just like in the Jewish tradition, where we don't do anything, anything, any, any hard labor before 3 p.m., before the hour that Jesus died is a no-go. We just don't do it. And, uh, and that includes cooking. And, so, and, and, and I also learned, why do we observe it? You know, it's not just we don't cook, but why do we observe that tradition? And it's out of respect for Jesus as we remember his death, blood, and sacrifice and what he did on this day. Now, what, what Good Friday actually is, um, actually, it hit me during uh, the first Good Friday without my nan. And... Uh, my nan, uh, she passed away in February 2014, uh, and she wasn't my biological nan, she wasn't my biological grandmother, but she, you know, she was nan, you know, she was my nan. And she was the person who encouraged me to go to Bible college, and she, she taught me how to look for the Lord in prayer, and, you know, she was a real pillar for me in my journey towards getting to know Jesus and, and being, you know, being closer to the Lord, and she was a pillar for so many people, so many people in her life, and the only reason why she was a pillar was because of her rock-solid faith and relationship with Jesus. That's what made her different, and so the Good Friday of that year, I felt what it meant to grieve. I knew the pain of loss, and months after she passed, I still wondered why. Why did she have to leave so soon? Why? And I could feel that God was saying, well, she, you know, she finished the race. She's finished what she's done, what she needed to do, what, she, what God called her to do, what I called her to do. She's finished. And if I can be really, really honest, church, um, I thank you for your encouragement, especially just before uh, 
you know, church started and, you know, everyone's looking forward to the message. And I just want to be honest and say that I really found it hard to structure today's message. Um, and that's mainly because Good Friday is such a meaningful day to the Christian uh, church, to the, to the Christian calendar. And I want to tell you a little story about how I came across how to, how to form this message. Can I tell you a story? Is that okay? Um, so I was like, okay, God, how do I do this? It's Good Friday. I'm stuck. How do I do it? You know, you've known this is coming for, for months, or sorry, for weeks now, and, and, you know, you haven't said anything, so what, what are you saying? Uh, and, and for me to really hear from God, I have to go to a quiet place, or I have to go to a place where I'm wondering about nature. Uh, and so Monday evening, I decided to take my bike for a, a ride towards uh, Bearwood High Street. So I was riding up Bearwood High Street, and I had a decision to make. And I said, okay, well, I can either go straight up Bearwood High Street and enter the park at the front, or I can turn right, and I can enter the park at the back. So when I got to Lightwoods Park at the back, I turned right. I, taught, I, I saw uh, two shaven, branchless trees standing um, at the back of Woolly Woods. So Lightwoods Park and Woolly Woods are kind of the same thing. And um, they, they, they essentially looked like logs, and I thought, oh, you know, they're kind of just standing there, and I was like, Jesus, okay, is, is this what you mean? Like, you know, this was maybe the two thieves standing on your left and your right. Maybe there's something here. I don't, maybe we can do that. And I remember, you know, trying to figure it out, and, and God was like, ah, George, that's not it. I'm like, no, but Jesus, do you see it? Do you, you, you see it, don't you? You see it? Uh, you know, it'd be great if there was a third one, but, you know, do you, you see it? Do you see it? It's like, ah, George, that's not it, man. And I kept playing in my mind and just kind of saying, well, you know, well, what about the gate, you know, the gate of the park, you know, and the, the way on the outside of the park could be the city and the inside of the park could be the outside of the city and the, the crosses at the two, there on the hill outside of the city and, you know, you could just make that an illustration, you know, Lord. And it's like, George, that's not it. And as I just, just kind of kept thinking of, you know, illustrations, God kept saying the same thing and... Um, it wasn't until uh, I noticed the design of the benches in the park, and I was sitting down in the park, and the iron of the benches had the, 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 the name, the number, sorry, 2019. And I think that was when they were made, and I, and I thought to myself, oh, I thought these park benches were older than 2019. I thought they were, you know, made ages ago, but they looked really new and nice and shiny. And then I looked at the, the top of the bench, and I saw a flickering of gold. And I looked around on my own bench, and I, turned, and, I, and I saw the plaque of gold where embossed on it was uh, a short eulogy, an ode to those who had gone by. And so I curiously went round and, and read each one. And, you know, one of them read, Dearly loved parents and grandparents, always in our hearts. And another one read, in our hearts, memories are kept, loved and cherished, we shall never forget. And then the last one, which really got me, this one, this one actually kind of got me, um, please sit, rest a while, and think of the friends around you and those who have gone. And it was at this point that God spoke to me and said, this is how you're going to do it, George. Write me 
a beautiful eulogy. And I said, well, I mean, that's, my Lord, that's dope. That's great. Um, but how do I do that? How do I, I've never written a eulogy before. How do I how do, I do that? I don't even, even, I don't even know if I know how I feel about the day you died. I have no idea, Lord. I'm like, how, how, how? I have no idea. How do I do this? And as I moved beyond the two, the two trunks that were kind of, or the two uh, tree trunks that were kind of standing there, I moved past it into a, another clearing uh, where there was a, a tree stump. And it was there by itself in that clearing. And it reminded me of a verse from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 8, where it says that his life was cut short in midstream. The stump was cut short. And that was, that's to say that his life was cut short. You know, Jesus was 33 when he died. I'm 32. And you, you probably hear some stories in America of people who, who die young and all this kind of thing. And to hear Jesus died at 33 and I'm 32, that kind of, that does ring it home. And so I guess if I was obedient right now, I want to ask you to do something, BCC. I want to ask you to do something at home. Can I ask you to imagine for a moment that we go back in time 2,000 years, right now. We go back in time 2,000 years ago to the time and place of Jesus' crucifixion. And let's imagine that I was tasked with the, with the writing of a eulogy for Jesus the day after his burial. And we know that the, the reality of, of, you know, of this is very different. You know, you know that Jesus is very much alive and, and Sunday is coming. But could I take you there for a moment? <clears throat> so I knew this was going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm going to read what I would have said about Jesus if I was at his eulogy. <clears throat> and this happens at a eulogy, you know. <laughs> but he said, but I would say, you know, Jesus, you were the person in secondary school who, you know, protected me from being bullied. You gave me great parents and you taught me everything I know about how to be humble when to listen, when to speak. When I forgot to tie my own, how to tie my own tie in university, I, you know, you were the one astoundingly to help me tie my own tie. And you taught me what a true man looks like. How to deal with my fears and my doubts and how to overcome my fear of public speaking. You were the one who taught me about leadership. You were the one who taught me about leadership. What it means to be a great husband. Jesus, you gave me purpose. You gave me dreams and visions that I couldn't ignore. You said, Jordan, you don't have anything to prove to me. You have nothing to prove to me. When all I ever wanted to do was prove how good or cool or normal I was 
to everyone else. You, had, I, you said, I have nothing to prove to you. You have nothing to prove to me. But you saw me for, for who, I, who I am. At the time of this uproar about the issues of, 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 of racial reconciliation and, and George Floyd, you were the one who said, George, I see the color of your skin. I think it is beautiful. I love that about you. I, lo- I love the fact that I made that about you. And when me and my family had our, our backs against the wall and we didn't have much, you pulled us out. You made a way. You made a way for me, Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. Thank you so much for doing that. And there's... There's probably so much more that I'd write about Jesus. So much more. And I've come to see that the, the, the reason Jesus went on the cross for me on Good Friday was to take away the stuff that I got wrong in all of my pride, in all of my sins, in all of my, my recklessness, in all of those things. He took those away. And it's such a relief to know that I'm okay with God now because of what Jesus did for me on Good Friday, because of the price he paid for me on Good Friday. That's what I'd say about you, Jesus. And again, there's loads more, but my wife has cooked and the chicken is calling me. (laughs) Um, So so we're, we're back again to today. And so my challenge to you, church, is on this Good Friday, maybe ask yourselves, if I was tasked with writing a eulogy for Jesus, what would I write? What would I say? What would my personal experience of Jesus be? When someone passes on, we often think about what we should have said, what we should have done, how many times we should have gone back, how I should have forgiven them, how I should have spent more time with them. We often think about all of those things. And I'm asking you to imagine on campus and at home, imagine what you'd write if you were tasked with that. What would you say about him? When I saw the the tree stump in the park, it reminded me of another two things. Uh... The first thing was, when I saw that it was cut off in midstream, that it was that I should be up on that cross, Lord Jesus, not you. And I was like, but I don't get it. Why didn't you take me instead? Why didn't you take me? Why didn't you take, why didn't you take me? I'm the guilty one. You know, um, in the story of, of, of Jesus and the, and the trial coming up to Jesus and the cross, we, we, hear, we, we hear that Barabbas stood in front of Pilate and Jesus stood in front of Pilate and the crowd was chanting, 
They're like, let Barabbas go free. I'm like, Barabbas? Really? He's the guilty one. I am the guilty one. Why should I be up there? And then God, in his mercy and his grace, he said to me, George, listen, it doesn't work like that. I don't work like that. I want you. I love you. I love my son, but I love you. And I want a relationship with you so bad that I will give up the life of my son and to satisfy my wrath so that we can be together. I want you that much. I want you to be in my life that much. I was like, your God, your, your God, I'm not, I don't want to argue. And there was a second thing, and at this point I want to invite the, the worship team back on the stage. It's the second thing that he reminded me of. Um... And it's something that usually happens, in the, in the UK at least, after a eulogy is read, and after the dead are buried. Does anyone know what that is? After the eulogy is read and the dead are buried, there's a wake. You guys aren't hearing me. There's a wake. Okay, you guys aren't hearing me. There's a wake. Sunday is coming and he's awake. He's alive. It's not that he died and that's it. It's not that eulogy on those park benches and that's it. He's awake. He's alive. He's here. He's alive. And as we were discussing the idea of this passage, Pastor Nick rightly pointed out, that the only person in history that doesn't need a eulogy is Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the only person in history that doesn't need one of those. So do you remember that eulogy that you just wrote, wrote in your mind that, you said, okay, what would I write? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that eulogy that I just wrote. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it because Jesus has risen from the dead. Three days later, he won the victory over death and was raised back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the exciting thing is that if you've never met Jesus before, if you've never believed in him as your Lord and as your Savior, it says in the Bible, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws them to me and at the last day I will raise them up. And it says you can come to him. You can come to Jesus right now. And that means you can meet Jesus not just right now because you're going to take the opportunity, but because he's still alive, church. He's still alive. And if you want the same freedom from wrongs that I know Jesus has given me because of Good Friday, 
you can have it as well. And so I'm asking you, if you want that, if you want that relationship with Jesus, if you want to reinstate your relationship with Jesus, if you want to remember, you know what, Jesus, you've died for me, you've given your life for me, and I know I should have been the one that carried that cross up those stairs, but you're the one that carried that cross for me. You bled and you died for me. I want to ask you that as we, as we play this song, I, want, I just want to appeal to you. You can believe in Jesus right now. And all you have to do is ask him to be in charge of your life. So as the, as the band play, as the worship team play, I want, I want to invite us to stand. And it says, anybody in this room, anybody at all, who because of the victory of Jesus, because of the, the death, or the life, the death, the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus, wants to believe in him now, I want to encourage you to come to the front as we sing this song. And then we'll close with a prayer. Thank you, Pastor Kevin.